morning. <clears throat> so uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago or so, I had a, a fairly traumatic stretch of a month and a half where I've spent my entire life, um, well, not my entire life, since I was like 16, 15, driving a car, and I had never hit a living animal. Um, and then like a year and a half ago or so, all of a sudden on the mountain, I became like squirrel assassin, where really squirrels just kept running out in front of my car and I just boom, boom, over and over. It happened like four times in a month and then the killer was um, a, a beautiful male cardinal like flew in front of my car and it like flew in front of the hood and then dipped down and I'm like, oh, it escaped because they always do. And then I look in the rearview mirror to like affirm uh, my assurance that he did like his normal avian Houdini and instead there was like this massive ball of red feathers that just went <laughs> and I'm like, oh. So today I was slightly traumatized when a uh, uh, chipmunk like ran up to the side of the road and I'm like, no, it's not starting again. But you will be glad to know that he went back into a chipmunk hole. And, yeah. Sparing himself and my own heart. It was good. Uh, welcome. Again, it is after uh, a year and a half or so of not being together like this, to be standing here and seeing you um, and worshiping and singing together is just amazing. Um, last week on Friday, we looked at uh, Jesus' call to come to him, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. And um, I shared a, a quote from Frederick Buechner that I think is quite beautiful, that we all labor and are heavy laden under the burden of being human, um, or at least being on the way we hope to being human. Um, the weary and the burdened is all of us, uh, really, who are honest about what it means to live uh, life. Um, today's passage is... Uh, a little bit more specific. It's, we're going to focus on a person who is truly at the end of herself. Due to circumstances that are truly beyond her control, she is a woman who is literally beaten down in every possible way. She is sick. She is financially ruined. She is alone. And she is outcast. Issues of a fallen world that drive a person to the end of themselves. She has a, rec a recognition and an, an admission of inability to fix what she is in. And I don't know about you, if you haven't experienced that, if you haven't experienced circumstances that bring you to the end of self, where you simply can't do it, you will. And if you have experienced that, you will experience it again. And if you are sitting in it right now, there is hope. And that's what this passage is about this morning, hope that is trustworthy. Father, please uh, be with us this morning. Will you please reveal yourself to us through your word? Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you that you are a merciful and loving God. Please be with us and speak to our hearts and our souls by the power of your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the context of our passage um, Jesus has, has just uh, healed the Gerasene demoniacs. He's, he's sailing across the, um, the sea with the disciples. He comes to uh, another shore, and we're going to be sitting in Mark chapter 5. And, and here's what it looks like. Jesus gets out of a boat with the disciples, and a crowd begins to gather around him on the seashore. Um, and as he's there, 
uh, a synagogue ruler named Jairus comes. Um, And Jairus comes and he falls down at the feet of Jesus and he says, if you're willing, please come. If you lay your hands on my daughter, I know that you can make her well. She is sick and dying. And they begin to walk to Jairus' house. And as they're walking to Jairus' house, the crowds are all pressing around. Scripture says that the people are pressing in on Jesus. They're on their way to go heal a little girl who is dying. And our story is is, uh, bookended by what happens there and then what happens at the end with Jesus actually arriving to the house of Jairus. But our passage starts as not an interruption, but a beautiful um, encounter in the middle of this. Scripture says a woman who who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but instead had become worse. That's just setting up the person that we are talking about. There's a woman who's sick. She's been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. Um, You can imagine the physical pain, discomfort. Scripture says she endured much at the hands of the doctors. You can only imagine what that would have looked like in the first century when they didn't have the same medical knowledge and skill and ability and tools that we have. She'd suffered much at their hands. She'd spent all the money that she had trying to get well. She was not helped at all and had only become worse. But worse than her physical condition, I think, is the fact that um, uh, her hemorrhaging of blood made her ceremonially unclean. And when we we talk about that, I I understand that it might be a little bit esoteric, right? We don't live in that type of a setting. But here's what it did practically. It made her alone. She had to suffer essentially alone. She couldn't go to places of community. She couldn't go to the temple to worship. So she couldn't go to church. She couldn't worship God with brothers and sisters. She couldn't be with her family. She couldn't be with her friends. She was considered unclean. In fact, if she touched anyone, the person that she touched became unclean. And then just to add insult to all of this, if she were going to go into a public space, if she were going to come into a place where other people were there, she would have to announce out loud that she was unclean and coming into people so that they could avoid her. You can imagine what that would do to the human heart. You can imagine what that would do to any person. Not touched, no community, can't worship, no friends, separated from your family, truly, utterly alone. Well, this woman hears about Jesus. It's possible that she heard about the casting out of demons. It's likely that she heard he was a healer. Maybe she heard that he was a prophet. It's possible that she heard he had been healing paralytics. She may have even heard that he had calmed the the storm that rose up on the Sea of Galilee. She'd heard about him and she formulates a plan. Her rationale is simply this. If I can just touch his cloak, I'll be made well. Scripture says that after hearing about him, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she'd been saying to herself, if I can just touch his garments, I will get well. Maybe for the very first time, at least in a long time, um, desperate, definitely, but maybe she has a slight bit of hope. She definitely has some faith 
that if she can just get in and touch even the back of his cloak, she will be made well. Now, it's interesting. You take Jairus, who's just come and who's in this, walking with Jesus to his house to, to have Jesus heal his daughter, right? Jairus comes and falls down at the feet of Jesus, a sign of respect and honor. But the woman, she's going to sneak in from behind and just touch. But hear the deep faith in this. If I can even just touch his cloak, he can make me well. There's no bowing down. There's no asking. And I think she's avoiding anything personal because she doesn't want to be identified. She doesn't want to um, be turned away. He may actually be her only hope. So it appears that she doesn't announce unclean coming through. She just slides into the crowd of people and she reaches in and scripture says that she touches the back of his cloak. And then God's word says, immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she, would, she was healed of her disease. Um, the, the literal translation there is really good. It says, immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she knew in her body she was cured from her terrible afflictions. And you can, I hope you can imagine this. 12 years, she knows her body. She knows what it's like to live with this chronic issue. She touches Jesus' cloak and she's healed, and she knows it. Now, I don't know what went through her mind. Joy, relief, unbelief, like, oh my gosh, it actually worked? Who is this? We don't know. But here's something I want to point out. At this point, her healing, this is such a, a deeply human act, right? It reaches down to the core of who she is as a person being healed. But it's weirdly not relational, right? Her faith was strong, but it was transactional. She had received this unspeakable gift from someone that she probably thought didn't even know that he had done it, right? She thought that she had slid in and this transactional thing had happened because he had some power that she tapped into and she was healed. But Jesus wants her to actually know him. His miracles always reveal his identity and his glory. They come with purpose. He wants her to truly know the one that she had placed her faith in. Emmanuel, God with us. Personal, relational, intimate. He wants her to actually know him. And it's about to get deeply and beautifully relational. But first, um, it's fair. And what I'd kind of like to do is, is ask us to hold up a mirror right now. The woman had an idea of Jesus, believed some things about him, and reached out for this transactional relationship with him. And I want to ask you, I think this is one of the great considerations of the Christian faith and something that we, in our context, both culturally and our religious context, can fall into quite easily. Do you trust Jesus to forgive you? Do you trust him to save you? Do you trust that he's made you clean so that you can know eternal life? Do you know a lot about him? 
And do you do all of those things without really knowing him very well? Now, please hear me. This is not, I'm, I'm not trying to do like some clever turn of word or turn of phrase here. Not, not some like parsing a distinction. I think this really is something we need to consider regularly. Are we engaging in a, re- a transactional relationship with Jesus? We know a lot about him and we trust him to save us, but we don't actually spend time getting to know the one in whom we say we place our trust. Imagine it a little bit like this. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's easy to get a, a perfect analogy with this one, but I'm going to try. Um, so imagine that you see the Lord of the Rings movies, the extended versions, of course. So imagine that you see the Lord of the Rings movies and you're like, oh, those are the greatest movies ever. Those are my favorite movies, right? So you've seen the movies, you, you know the story, so you start to um, uh, claim those as, as your thing, right? And you go out and you spend thousands of dollars on, on first editions, right? Because this is now, they're your favorites. So you buy the books, first editions, and you put them on your shelves. And you've gone through and you, you, you know when they were printed, um, you know when they were published, um, you, you know the covers, you, you have the, the hard covers, the dust covers, you know an awful lot about them, but you've never actually cracked them open and read The Lord of the Rings, Right? Do you know a lot about without actually knowing the person? Jesus has more for us because he wants us to know him. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had from him gone out, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now, I want to be really clear what's happening here. The woman did not steal a miracle from Jesus. He does not have a magical power cloak that somehow heals anybody who touches it. Remember, people are pushing in on him from all around, right? His, his miracles are intentional and specific. He's not surprised. He knows the hearts and the minds of the people around. And this woman that he encounters is no different he waits until he knows that she has touched him. Scripture says that the pow- he, he felt the power go out from him. I don't know what that means. But it's how Jesus knew that the woman that he planned to heal had touched him. And he heals her. He dries the fountain of blood and he restores her to health. And then he turns around and he asks an intentional, specific question directed to one person. Scripture says that he turned around to see her. And he says, who touched my garment? Now, the disciples, as they're kind of want to do, they don't know everything that's happening. They're like, Lord, uh, tons of people are pressing in on you. How, How can you ask that question? But the woman knows exactly what he's asking. And Scripture says that the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She's fearing and trembling. Now, we, we hear that, and I know we tend to think she's actually afraid of Jesus, but, but um, it's possible maybe she had some fear that, 
that he was going to disapprove, uh, that he was going to be angry. But I think based on what she does, that the fear and trembling is like the fear and trembling that we're called to, to work out our faith in fear and trembling with reverence and awe for the living God. And I think that's what happened is she fell before him with reverence and awe. And scripture says that she told him the whole truth. Now, now think about this, right? Hit the context on this. They're on their way to go heal Jairus' daughter. A crowd of people pressing in and around. She comes up and touches his cloak. He heals her, turns around and says, who touched my cloak? And she pushes her way up, gets down at his feet, and lays out the whole thing. Scripture says, told him the whole truth. Shares her life, maybe. Definitely her condition and what she'd lived through her plan of how she thought maybe if she could just touch his cloak and her belief, her faith, that if I can do it, you have the ability to heal me. And she puts herself completely at his mercy. Now, before we look at what Jesus says, um, the story that we're looking at is bookended by a story about a father's love for his child. Jairus, a synagogue ruler's daughter, is sick and dying. We're going to find out that after Jesus talks to the woman, his daughter actually dies. But Jesus tells him, don't worry, just believe. And they will go and Jesus will raise her from the dead. But here's what happens. This healed woman that we're dealing with now likely thinks of Jesus as, as a, a teacher, a rabbi, a healer, maybe even a prophet. But with one word, he reveals both his identity and hers. Here's what he says to her. Daughter, you are seen and I want you to know the one who sees you. The radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith was rightly placed, but I am more worthy of it than you have any idea of. I'm more worthy of your faith than you ever could have realized. Your faith has made you well. You are cured. Now, go in peace. Something she probably hasn't experienced for 12 years. Go in peace. And we should hear that, right? Echoes of come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the one who offers rest, and he offers peace. And it's so beautiful, and it should resonate deep, deep within you. When you hear that, when you hear Jesus say, go in peace, you understand that it's not a shallow surface peace, that it's a deep heart peace that she hasn't known and that only he can offer. Now, if we look at her, we look at her faith and we know that it was strong and it likely grew even stronger after her encounter with him, there might be for us a temptation to think that our faith has to be strong in order to grow closer to Jesus. Now, I think that's hard, especially when most of us more likely resonate, and I'm speaking very much for myself here, I more resonate with the Lord I believe help my unbelief prayer. 
So the idea of having a deep faith so that I can know Jesus more deeply seems incredibly daunting. But deep faith does not proceed deep knowing. Hear that. Instead, deep knowing results in deeper faith. When you know Jesus better, your faith grows deeper. So how do you know? Like, right, how do you do this deep knowing? I'd I'd be remiss if just said, get to know Jesus deeply and didn't talk about it. Word, where God has revealed himself to us, being in God's word. Prayer, where we lay our lives before him like the woman did, and we seek him, and we seek his mercy, and the means of grace, going to corporate worship, where we hear the preaching of God's word, where we pray corporately, where we receive sacraments. But guys, if you know him only as Savior, he says, come to me, walk with me, and know me as Savior, King, Creator, Sustainer, Friend, Refuge, Strength, and more. And so there, let's, let's circle back to the beginning. I started by saying that this was a passage of hope. The reality is you have been, you will be, or you are now at the end of yourself. You may be facing something right now that you know you can't handle. It is simply too big for you. If you're not today, you will. And if you are right now, there is hope because all of us come to the end of self when we are made new creations in Christ. There is hope because Jesus is merciful. We have a merciful God. When he turned and said, who touched my cloak? And she may have expected some kind of reprimand. She had broken every possible cultural and religious norm. She didn't proclaim herself unclean. She came, she broke through, she touched people, she made them unclean. She touched him, making him unclean. And he said, who did it? And she said, here's my story. And what does he do? He says, daughter. He loves her with the love of the Father. And guys, that is Jesus. When we come to end of self, we come to him because he's faithful and he's trustworthy. Because he has compassion on us because he is motivated by the heart of the Father. The love of the triune God expressed to us. We see it most clearly on the cross where he dies for us in our place, but he extends it to us now, right now, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, come and know me. I know that this is too much and you can't do it and I don't expect you to. Come to me. Come to me. There is hope because Jesus is merciful. He sees you, he loves you, and he invites you into his peace. Amen? Let's pray. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we do fall before you knowing that we are um, incapable of living under the weight of this world. And we thank you, Lord, that we do not bear it alone. Thank you for Jesus, who is our redeemer, our creator, our sustainer, our friend, our refuge, our strength, our God. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made on our behalf that we might know you. Please, Lord, 
deep within our hearts stir us that we might come to you. Lord, help us to not rely on self, but to instead come into your loving care. We know that you are merciful and gracious, and we give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Please stand.